0: Welcome to the CannaCurial Podcast, powered by Cannabis Media. I'm your host, Ed Keating, and on today's show, I'm joined by my colleague, Jason Keichel, our Director of Regulatory Research. Jason, welcome back. Thanks, Ed. So today, we are going to talk about a topic that Jason and I have uh, studied a lot. Uh, It's consumption lounges, specifically, what are they, who gets them, where they can be found, and much more. Just as a point of reference, before we started today, I went and looked at our database to see, yeah, how many are there compared to other licenses? So we have approximately 17,000 cultivation facilities in the database and 17 lounges. So uh, obviously there's a long way to go as, as these start to come onto the market, but that's what we're gonna talk about today. So Jason, you've really dug deep into this uh, topic since they've been issuing these. So let's start at the beginning. What are consumption licenses? Consumption licenses are not one of the more widely available
1: licenses, as you hinted at. Um, I think we're really ahead of the curve. We're in the early days of seeing consumption Mm -hmm. lounge licenses start to pop up. But in general, there are two types of consumption licenses. Mm. and They come from two different places. Uh, To answer the question of what are consumption licenses? These are licenses for facilities where cannabis can be consumed publicly. Um, this is frequently an afterthought when ballot measures to legalize are written up. Uh, supporters frequently didn't want to talk about this, didn't want to create the Amsterdamization of markets. <laughs> you know, you know turning, turning dispensaries where you leave with product into places where you linger and consume. Um, at the same time, there are other spaces where cannabis is not sold. You're bringing your own, similar to a BYOB, you know, bring mm-hmm. your own beer or alcohol Establishment, um, and those are now getting licensed for consumers to bring their own cannabis in with them. They're not able to sell on their own. They don't participate in track and trace or some of the other state regulations, but they are okay. licensed
0: facilities for consumption. Got it. Got it. So, um, in terms of you know the the selling and, and and whatnot, some of the things that we've talked about, and I think this is a place to dig into it is. Um, some of those interesting restrictions they have such as not to be sold where alcohol is consumed and, and, and whatnot. Does that factor in at all?
1: Some of the States have gone back and clarified
0: uh, some of these
1: conversations have happened. Um, cannabis consumption lounges cannot have an alcohol permit. That's a pretty common one. in yes. some of these emerging States um, also maybe no gambling, perhaps a prohibition on having lottery available. Um, Some other overlap of regulated activities from different state agencies, they're keeping them separate. But there have been uh, an emergence of hotels considering consumption lounges, um, more in the category of bringing around as opposed to having a dispensary on site. Got it, got it.
0: Now, um, as we have studied licenses, You know, over all these years, there are a lot of factors that come in as essentially complications, zoning, land use, vertical integration, MSOs coming into sort of a market factor. What do you see as some of the challenges? And maybe that's just a starter list.
1: Sure. Yeah, that's a great list of considerations. Um, Early on, when some of the states started considering what to do with Mm -hmm. consumption and how to get from this is an idea to this is being executed. Uh, Land use, building safety, health, those were kind of at the heart of it. Some of the cities and states had to amend their indoor air acts and, and air quality restrictions. Oh, yeah. After a long window of states moving to, completely prohibit indoor smoking they have to go back and say okay we're going to prohibit indoor smoking except for cannabis if it's under a license and then some of the cities uh, notably Anchorage they were one of the ones at the beginning and I think Denver's gone through this they've worked on their HVAC requirements and updated with more stringent restrictions keeping in mind that there are employees that work in these particularly on-site dispensaries um, with a consumption lounge they're trying to keep employee health and safety in mind as well yeah,
0: interesting. That makes sense, though. Um, <laughs> one of the other discussions we have sort of whenever we cover anything definitional in the cannabis space is an analogy of how this is like something else. So when we were putting together the the concepts for this, you know, there's this notion of of a tasting room, um, like you might see for wine or... For cannabis delivery, people talk about, is this a pizza truck model or an ice cream truck model? Is it like a microbrewery where somebody can grow it and then you can consume it? I mean, which ones make sense for 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 these tasting rooms, Jason, if any? Yeah, I,
1: I think that some of the states have had different approaches to how they treat that. Mm. Um, the tasting room approach, that, that was language that was really adopted by Colorado's legislators, And uh, Governor Polis, they were really talking about, we want to allow tasting rooms. That was kind of an add-on where Uh. manufacturers and growers, maybe in the past, they did not have a dispensary. They weren't completely integrated. Um, There were some that were involved just distribution, working with other stores and other businesses around the state. Um, At least a few of those hospitality and retail licenses um, early on were awarded to companies that had manufacturing and they were able to Mm. welcome customers into their facility after making some minor building adjustments and and improvements. um, They weren't just going right onto the floor of the extraction (laughs) lab or anything. And, uh, you know, they're able to now directly sell. This could be a trend down the road or a lot of companies may not choose to engage in it. You know, there, there are already many
0: dispensaries in some of these markets. So this might not be a widespread trend. That's a great point. So, so now that we've talked a little bit about you know what are they, what are some of the attributes, let's dig into who typically applies for them. We just touched on that. So this is a good segue. But you know, one, one of the topics we wondered about is, is it a mom and pop thing or is it a big cannabis thing? Because as I think you and I discussed this in the past, you can make... Uh, a view as to whether it's an asset or a liability, and in, in, uh, in terms of how it may help your business.
1: Absolutely, that's a great question. To date, the after our analysis of who has these licenses, these tend to skew more toward mom and pop, smaller businesses, not your MSOs, not your larger operators. There are a handful. Um, you know, Planet Thirteen in Las Vegas, uh, they have their. Mm flagship location Um, they also have other locations and they're they're now a publicly traded multi-state operator they're probably the one that's generated the most noise as far as the MSO's, you know hey we intend to have these consumption lounges i think some of their other markets um you know illinois is adult use it's opening up that's one where the state is not touching consumption they're leaving that one to local governments Chicago is probably going to be all in on consumption lounges in the next two to three years.
0: I was there last week and it seemed like there were consumption lounges everywhere I walked, but uh, maybe that was just outdoor So
1: <laughs> You never know. But, you know, it's interesting about Planet 13. They also acquired Harvest's license after their merger with Leave in Florida. And yeah. while Florida is a very successful medical market, the political will in the legislature is not there. For them to act on moving to adult use, and the voters will likely approve it in 2024, but that's two years out. And I think that you know, Florida may not be ready for on-site consumption, but I think on-site consumption is ready for Florida. <laughs> well said. <laughs> Never too far off from spring break. Ed.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, and, and and you know, the interesting thing about Planet 13, I think, is just as you said, where are they located, Las Vegas. Gigantic tourist market, Florida. Gigantic tourist market. I mean, I don't think we're going to see them setting up shop inside Disney World or Epcot Center. But, um, <laughs> but you know, as you were saying before, looking ahead, you know, who knows how it's gonna how it's gonna play play out. But talk, you know, continue on on the location discussion. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, seventeen uh, facilities out there in the database now. Which states have them, and um, You know, are they running into any NIMBY issues as well as they start to figure this stuff out? Yeah, I think as far as the the states that
1: have them and how we're approaching tracking them, Mm -hmm. there are two ways that these licenses are regulated and broken down. The first way is who is the regulator? So as I mentioned, Illinois is one of those states where the legislature kind of punted the local governments, your municipality, either your town, your city, your county, you're engaging with them, you know. You have the either a new retail license or a legacy license from the the regulator, and you're now able to work with the city and say, "Hey, we want to add a thousand square feet of consumption space." California is in a very similar position, you know. It's very hard to identify where these consumption lounges are because so, the Department of Cannabis Control so can lo- 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 themselves from regulating this.
0: Lo- I want to poke in on that for a second because the thought that occurred to me is. When the state punts, it suddenly gets really hard. I would think for an operator to really expand quickly, because as we know from our work in California years ago, there's you know 538 license issuing jurisdictions. Many of them will not issue licenses, so yeah. you're not going to cover the state. You're not going to be able to Starbucks this uh, across. So, do you think that's why the state does it, or it's just a headache they don't want to deal with and they'll, you know, kick the can down to the, to the locals to figure it out. And so that each town gets to decide what the, you know, the, the type of town they want to uh, become or, or remain.
1: Yeah. I think those are two valid reasons that, that are likely occurring at the same time. You know, if you're at the headquarters of an MSO and you're in New York or Boston, uh, the last thing on your mind is poking in the zoning meeting minutes from Palm Springs, or <laughs> Sacramento. And so some of these towns have emerged as leaders within California or down the road. The same thing will likely happen in Illinois, where they're working at the local level to permit mm-hmm. consumption lounges. Yep, um, There are also consumption lounges occurring and popping up that don't have onsite. Cons- uh, they're not onsite. They're just consumption only. They're, they're BYOC premises. There are a handful of those scattered yeah. around. Uh, that, that's a liability. You're not going to be thinking about that if you're an MSO, but at the same time, some of these mom-and-pop owned dispensaries obviously have some kind of leverage because there has been a lot of MA activity. MSOs are getting into California and they're acquiring existing stores instead of yeah. new ones. And some of these stores with lounges, they're not getting bought up. So there might be some kind of discussion. There might be a pro con, you know, asset versus liability discussion when they're looking at these stores and these licenses to buy up um, to make them part of their brand. And they might just be ignoring them for now.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it, and it might just be a long game kind of thing as people try and figure this out as, uh, Cannabis just becomes more normalized. I mean, we had President Biden's announcement last week, and that certainly brought it back up to the national level. So uh, it'll be curious to see how that plays out. But um, one other point, an excellent one that you made is, once again, going back to the analogies. What's happening in the, in the psychedelic space and you know treatment facilities like ketamine clinics, things like that? You know, is is that a model or is it just another thing? You know, in, in, the, in our wonky
1: day-to-day world where we're watching this way more closely than most normal people probably would, uh, you know, I'm seeing an analogy already start to emerge. But at the same time, you know, Oregon still hasn't begun licensing for psilocybin treatment centers. Right. So it's really hard to make that comparison without actually seeing the, the rubber hit the road in any of these markets. Uh, I know in next month's election, Colorado is going to be voting on a drastically different psychedelics measure. It's not very similar to what Oregon voters approved two years ago. And there will be a treatment center model. um, And from the sound of it, patients would be bringing their own psychedelics, psilocybin, other related products. So that could be a roadmap a few years down the way for states to think about cannabis consumption in public spaces or in more therapeutic spaces, um, not just a lounge with an arcade.
0: Yeah, well, Who knows where to land? I, I just got a headline from The Economist magazine where they are challenging the United States to legalize cocaine. So you know, who knows what we'll be doing on the podcast next year, Jason. But um, uh, digging into some more of the details uh, now that we know sort of where they are, who they are, some of the challenges one challenge is often fees and, 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 and what are they like? Are they similar to what you see with other licenses or is it every state, every town is going to be totally different and, you know, good luck. Godspeed.
1: Yeah. Looking, looking more at the States where the state is the regulator and the Mm. arbiter of consumption lounges. Yeah. Yeah. We'll ignore local for now. Um, Again, they fall into the two categories. If you're bringing your own cannabis, that's going to be a lower fee. A lot of these are businesses, you know, particularly Colorado. Some of these are art galleries, um, other entertainment related spaces. They're keeping the license fee low. Some of these can be as low as a thousand to Mm $2,000. And, you know, that's something that's affordable for a business that has to lure people in to buy something that they're selling and they're not selling cannabis for dispensaries that are getting an onsite consumption lounge permit. Um, Some of the states, it could be as low as $5,000. Today was the launch of the application window for Nevada. Nevada is probably the most closely watched consumption lounge landscape in the entire national industry. Um, For retail stores applying for on-site consumption, that fee is $100,000. That's one of the higher license fees just nationwide.
0: And let us not forget, almost exactly a year ago, we were on the phone with the regulators and we said next year, in 2022, when yeah. we come out here, will, will the lounges be ready? And they said, well, we hope so. Uh, we appreciate your thinking about it in 2022 instead of 2021. But looks like they haven't quite met that goal yet. Yeah. And, you know, with Nevada,
1: this is something that the conversation started to come up in 2017 when the state opened up early adult use sales using their medical infrastructure. And as they got licensing up and running leading into 2019, Clark County, home of the Vegas Strip, they were ready to openly permit consumption as a local passage, a local measure. And the state put a moratorium in place and said, No, you're not. Uh, We want to put in a two year window to do a study on this, and the legislature will come back, review the findings. And in 2021, they decided what that was going to look like. You know, the structure limiting the number of on site consumption lounges to about 45. And then also, including social equity provisions after they solicited public input. Yeah. Um, there will be 20 more offsite lounge licenses. Um, those could go to gyms, arcades, um, spas. You know, it, it's possible that uh, a spa in the Vegas area, somewhere near the strip, might pursue one of these licenses sure. for consumption um, but 10 of those are reserved for social equity so not every license is going to be a hundred thousand dollars in nevada yes. some of them will be ten thousand dollars and then the social equity ones will be twenty five hundred
0: huh well let's dig into some of the, some of the other states that, that you've researched and studied you made some interesting points about uh alaska putting these things in places basically to to lure in the cruise ship passengers and, and others so so what's the story in alaska
1: yeah, Alaska was really one of the first states where statewide regulators were thinking about this. Um, a lot of the attorneys in Alaska probably love this because they had a lot of work to sit down <laughs> and think this through before some of the other states had model legislation to look to. But Alaska has been a long time tourism hub. You know, you have the Pacific Coast. Uh, some of the port cities or cruise ship stops, and there were already existing dispensaries Ketchikan, Juneau, Seward, some of the other cities along the coast. And I think they were realizing they were missing out on a lot of revenue because cruise ship passengers might be at port for the day or for overnight. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, you can't take cannabis back on a boat um, going back in the international waters or you know risking a run-in with the coast guard so they decided you no, what, we're going to take the space that we have at the dispensaries open it up for consumption still make nice tourism revenue and money and send them on their way so wow. what happened first after a regulatory development period which is usually the trend in most of these states um early 2020 was when they started awarding these licenses and early 2020 was when the pandemic started and a lot of businesses were forced to shut down or minimize public gatherings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you see the cannabis industry now being labeled an essential business, but consumption operations, those that were licensed, were not taking off. Um, so there's been a long time to recover for not only Alaska, but all these states um, as rates have gone down and vaccinations have been given. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now uh, what about Colorado? I, I... I think uh, I thought I remember them being kind of an early one. And I thought the initial licenses were local, like Denver, but uh, yeah, I may not be remembering that correctly.
1: Colorado relies on local authorization, like they do with all of their other license types. Um, that was another one where the pandemic got in the way. There were a lot of businesses that had plans, mm. um, a few had applied. And early on in the pandemic, it wasn't sure how long things were going to be closed, things were going to be restricted. There were some licenses that were awarded. Uh, To date, Colorado has awarded about a dozen hospitality licenses. That's for no sales, just consumption. And only three that include sales. Out of their 15 that have been awarded to date, the majority of them have either expired, lapsed, or been surrendered. So on-site consumption and even off-site consumption are not very large features of Colorado's cannabis market right now. Uh, I think to date in various markets in the state, delivery has a higher presence, a higher number of licenses awarded, and um, is a higher revenue driver than consumption lounges. Hmm,
0: hmm, interesting. You've highlighted there's a couple other small markets. Like, I was surprised with the data you shared about Michigan, where there are so few licenses there, given how you know the long sort of heritage of cannabis in Michigan and the uh, eruption of licenses there in the last two years.
1: Yeah, I think in the coming years, so there will be more of these that emerge. Um, the presence of the consumption lounge license in Michigan. It's called a Designated Consumption Establishment, mm. uh, and that might have been an afterthought. The regulators did not initially approve when they started regulating adult use. I think that one came along a little bit later, and uh, a lot of towns have to revisit some of their local control and their local ordinances to allow for those businesses to pursue that license. Mm. Uh, I know Detroit is starting to heat up as a market. They're now moving into adult use licensing, and I think there will be numerous uh, consumption lounge licenses
0: popping up in that market. Got it. And I just want to circle back to Nevada and make sure we sort of, uh, you know, tied the bow on that one. From what you've researched and shared, that looks to be a place where there's going to be more of these kind of licenses than anywhere else where they're accepting applications for, it's like up to 65, I think. And that's a pretty large number based on the fact that there's only 17 nationwide now. So
1: yeah, yeah, I think that Nevada is quickly going to become a national leader in yeah, yeah. consumption licensing. And Nevada is in a really interesting spot because Nevada is not accepting applications for any other license type right now. Um, if you were not currently operating in Nevada and you wanted to go into Nevada, you would have to acquire a business that holds a awesome. license. You were not able to apply for a manufacturer license on its own. Now if you already have licenses, you can apply for additional ones. Um, so there's a narrow applicant pool that could be applying for yeah. an on-site consumption, you know, that, that pile of 45 that will be available. Those other 20 are going to be open to other businesses and other entrepreneurs. So again, those are not on-site. Those are just BYOC, you know, bring your own cannabis. Um, and that's where the social equity component is going to be present in Nevada. That's going to be the only social equity program as a feature of Nevada's market.
0: Well, we've sort of hopscotched around the country with California, Alaska, Michigan, uh, uh, and, and elsewhere. Let's go to sort of my, my neck of the woods. What's going on in the East coast? We've got New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, uh, certainly a lot of, interest in 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 the beast of the east as we like to call it Uh, although you know uh, slow to come together but there's a lot of factors that are impacting that i think so
1: absolutely yeah i think that um consumption lounges as a nationwide trend will be marching eastward from the west Mm. uh the legislation the east coast states are going to have an opportunity to improve on the legislation um one thing that's kind of up in the air is are east coast states going to aim more for local control and and you know do the big punt or are they gonna handle it through the same regulator that all the other licenses
0: are going through? So just I'm going to probe on that one for a second because uh, there was a recent study released that we've talked about where an economist pointed out, if you let too many towns, say no to cannabis, That is a big invitation for the black market to to support that town. So I'm thinking if towns start allowing consumption lounges, what is going to be the source of the cannabis that those people are bringing in there? If it's a bring your own, like you could just be creating a a great opportunity for sell your own, bring your own kind of situation. If they're not careful.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, One that I had not thought of. Uh, The Markets that are looking at adopting consumption lounges on the East Coast. Uh, I think the biggest one is New York, followed by New Jersey. Mm -hmm. There's a handful of states right now at different phases in the process. Within the past two weeks, Vermont opened up um, their adult use program, their sales launched. I think they already ran into a shortage or you know, dispensaries ran out of product on the first day, which is a good problem to have.
0: Not even ski season yet. Oh, it's leaf season. That's why everybody's. Up there.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, again, right now, uh, late October, Rhode Island is preparing uh, to accept applications or they're already accepting hybrid applications for their dispensaries right. to convert over Connecticut's in the midst of a licensing process. Some of these States haven't had, the consumption lounge discussion. It's not on their roadmap for implementing the industry launch, but New York has generated the most noise. There are already over 250 growers that have been growing and they're expecting about 200 stores to be licensed by mid-summer. There's been a conversation in their ongoing um, listening tour and public comment series. Mm. There have been a lot of comments and some input on consumption. somebody with the regulator at one point suggested that they might allow a consumption endorsement. This would be an offsite consumption, you know, not part of a retailer, but they might allow restaurants to participate in that. Um, I haven't heard much more on that idea floated out there, but, you know, there might be a lot of pizza places that are willing to pivot and be a consumption plus pizza establishment. Um, There's also uh, other ideas out there you know similar to those very few in nevada where consumption spaces could include gyms yoga studios other workout environments right uh, you know smoking yoga something like that uh, smoking <laughs> other entertainment yoga. spaces you know art galleries movie theaters concert venues all yeah, the, true. Probably so, so I about.
0: mean, you're sort of touched on one of the other topics we have, which is what are the points of differentiation, and why do states embark upon this? So, you know, the state reason might be different than how other people do it, but you know, obviously tourism. You talked about social equity. What are the other kind of drivers and, and, and benefits, and, and that you see that might drive this trend uh, into more businesses?
1: Yeah, I think good economic policy. Um, mm-hmm. Seeing more positive results from places that allow on-site consumption, um, either explicitly seeing good outcomes or just seeing a lack of bad outcomes, might be enough. Um, but it could be a good business practice. You know, it could be beneficial to, to businesses that are struggling on Main Street in so many states, yeah. um, allowing the regulator to go back and add, even if it's a limited number of off-site consumption. Um, that's something that a lot of businesses might integrate into their business and their practice. Um, and then on site consumption will likely become more widespread. You know, dispensaries will want to add that.
0: Makes sense. Now, one, one observation that we made in, in preparing for this was the point that if you think about it, an event license, also sort of rare are really consumption lounges for a day, a week, a weekend, whatever, where people, you know, have a contest or, you know, picking the best bud, whatever. But it's really a consumption lounge for a day in a way. Uh, you see a lot of this in the in the liquor uh, industry, where I know Connecticut has dozens of different kinds of, of liquor licenses for all sorts of, uh, you know, for, for, for on a boat, for this, for that, the other. So are places that have, let's say, already uh, blessed uh, event licenses like the to do consumption? Because I'm pretty sure I know California has uh, been big in the event licenses, but I can't think of the other states. I think there's like one or two more.
1: I think to date, Michigan is the only state that has both consumption and events. Mm. Illinois, again, they've they've punted to local government on consumption. They don't have event licenses. Yeah. And California regulates event licenses, but they have their local governments regulate consumption. So, you know, some of the cannabis events like Cannabis Farmers Markets, um, some of the other events where they're allowing license holders to show up to a premises other than their own business and sell cannabis. um, Technically they may not be able to allow consumption although it's likely happening. Um, It's not
0: really part of the business or their
1: regulatory liability
0: not, 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 not sanctioned. So uh, as uh, we're wanting to do, we always want to look out at at what the future holds. And since you've been really digging into this topic, you know, where, where should we be looking for sort of the next wave of perhaps innovation or first, you know, licensure moving from 17 to 27, let's say, is it, you know, Vegas, New York, LA, Chicago, or someplace else?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, to start, you know, Nevada being in this application window right now, Nevada will probably emerge as the national leader despite having zero right now. They're quickly going to eclipse some of the other markets and some of the other states. Um, Las Vegas will probably be at the heart of that. You know, there will be interactive shows, other activities to do, not just uh, a room with a uh, a dirty bong sitting on a table. It's gonna be much, much more of the Vegas experience at some of those lounges. But beyond that, you know, Illinois uh, is setting the groundwork for a great regulatory environment. Chicago could emerge as a leader nationally. Um, California, despite all of their challenges and trouble in the past five years, they're also allowing for local governments to emerge and, and innovate in lounges. So while Los Angeles has not permitted lounges and consumption spaces yet Um, their smaller neighbor west hollywood has already emerged with individual restaurants on site consumption with restaurants and Mm. uh pretty advanced menus edible and edible and infused items on the menu um looking on the east coast new york will probably mimic las vegas and uh pick up pretty quickly and there might be some other surprises in there as well in some of these other cities. You know, yeah. Denver could always pick up and uh, become a key player in this as well.
0: So, uh, looking ahead, even bigger, you know, will this be a national thing? Like, are we going to see Cresco go and start buying up hookah lounges around the country and build up a giant network of uh, of consumption lounges?
1: I, I definitely don't see this being an immediate trend to take off. Yeah. I think. You know, before you know it, Nevada is going to launch. Uh, I'm sure there will be national, either morning morning news or nightly news coverage, talking about what's going on in Nevada uh, because it's so out of the ordinary, just from the license count perspective. Of course, there'll, there'll be
0: the story when the Girl Scout cookies sit up uh, for sale outside the lounge, and yeah, you know, right. that is national news. Absolutely. So I think that uh, consumers
1: are going to start to speak up and say, hey, we'd love to see this in our town or in our state. Right. And, uh, you know, patient advocates still have a lot of value in the conversation. Oh. Um, this is still a social equity issue as well. So I think that 10 years from now, at least 25 to 30 states will probably have some type of presence. Some of the states might say, you know what, we don't want to deal with this, but counties, cities, if you want to take this on, that's for you and there there might be some cities you know you never know new orleans might emerge as one of those cities but uh on the flip side charleston south carolina might say we will pass and Hmm. uh allowing allowing the cities to make that decision will probably be the way that the majority of states go and there will always be some states that likely won't allow for lounges yeah
0: Yeah. they're the ones
1: that don't have medical right now so
0: Well, Jason, I I always enjoy hearing your prognostications on on things like this. And uh, for any of our listeners who'd like to hear more, Jason and I will be out in uh, Las Vegas at MJ BizCon this year. So feel free to stop by the booth, seek us out, and we'd love to uh, nerd out on cannabis with you. So uh, thanks for coming aboard, Jason. Looking forward to it. Same here. Thanks, Ed.